Hey, Dylan Kelly here, host of the Wave Break Podcast. Excited to get into this episode, but first, here's a quick word from our sponsor. If you're looking to grow your business, there's only one way, and that is by building real quality customer relationships. Most marketing software will claim they do this, but they never deliver on their promises, and you need to demand more from your marketing software. And that's where Klaviyo comes in. Klaviyo helps you build meaningful customer relationships by listening and understanding cues from your customers, allowing you to easily turn that information into valuable marketing messages. And that's why 10,000 innovative brands, including all of our clients at Wavebreak, have switched to Klaviyo. Now, What's the secret to building those customer relationships? Tune in to Klaviyo's Beyond Black Friday docuseries to find out and unlock exact marketing strategies you can use to keep momentum going all year round. Just head over to klaviyo.com slash beyondbf for more. Link is going to be down in the show notes below. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Wavebreak Podcast. I'm your host, Dylan Kelly, founder of Wavebreak. If you're new here at Wavebreak, we help e-commerce stores scale by building and managing profitable email campaigns. Here's the deal, guys. The secret to scaling is more lifetime value. If you have more lifetime value, you can spend more on marketing and keep growing the business. And to get a higher lifetime value, you either need customers to buy more products or you need to get them to come back for more. I mean, I guess that's both kind of buying more product, but either way, you need people to buy more stuff. And the best way to do that, that doesn't require any ad spend, doesn't require you know any magical fairy dust or magic Shopify app is email marketing. It's tried, it's true, it's tested. And we've cracked the code on it. And if you want to crack the code on it for your own brand, we're giving away a free checklist uh, that's going to help you have your best Black Friday ever. This is the same exact strategy that we use with our eight-figure clients to make them millions of dollars in Q4. If you want to steal that exact strategy and copy and paste it into your business, you can pick that checklist up around Black Friday and just holiday email marketing strategy. You can pick it up 100% for free. It's the best ROI that you can do. It's the best thing that you can do for your business today. It's an insane ROI because it's free and it's just massive value that if you implement this, you will make money. So if you want to pick that up, which you definitely should if you haven't already, you can pick that up at blackfridaychecklist.com. Once again, it's blackfridaychecklist.com. Link is down in the show notes below. You can just click it. This episode will keep playing and then you can go grab that for free and then report back to me. Shoot me an email and uh, let me know. You can just email podcast at waybreak.co and let me know how it did uh, because I would love to hear how it did for you. Um, it's going to crush for our clients and it can crush for you too. That's blackfridaychecklist.com. Anyway, really excited for this episode. We're talking about something that I, I really love talking about because it's just so interesting. Like we're talking about the power of branding and specifically how to position your e-commerce business as a premium brand, okay? So the, the, the thing about this is like really two products like 
branding branding is so much of you know what you do like branding determines what prices you can charge branding determines your conversion rates you know branding determines the success of your marketing like at its core branding is your business and all those other things aren't going to be as successful like with the right brand it's fuel for your growth um and i think what's really interesting specifically is making a brand seem high quality and premium just because you know it, it, it has its limitations. You can't compete on price then. You have to compete on quality. So how do you make a brand stand out? How do you sell a product that costs three to four times the competition? You know, it's better than the competition, but how do you communicate that to the consumer who's used to paying $5 for something when it really costs 20 That's why I'm super excited to bring out today's guest, Ben Weeder. He's a branding expert and he's the founder of a company called Chassis. Uh, I'll let him explain exactly what the company sells, but he knows the answers to all these questions. His branding is phenomenal. He showed me behind the scenes a company that he's launching in a few months. But this dude is insane at branding. He showed me this company. The brand looked like it has has been around for years. It looked like a company that I'd ordered from in the past. That's how good his branding is. It's familiar, it's premium, but at the same time, it's new and it's fresh. It feels familiar in a good way that you trust it. But at the same time, it's new and it's fresh and it's hot and it's good. And uh, he's built his company, Chassis, to over seven figures. And they're they're, they're a premium product in in a marketplace that's... um, you know, people aren't used to, you know, paying this price necessarily for this product. Um, and, and they get a lot of objections around it, but he's sharing exactly, you know, how they communicate their value, how they get around those objections and all of his secrets around building a premium brand. And as a bonus, I also got him to reveal his exact YouTube influencer marketing strategy, including, uh, you know, who he goes after on YouTube, how much he pays them, so on and so forth. You'll get all the details when you listen to the end of the episode. Without further ado, let's hop right into it. Thanks so much for coming on the show, Ben. Thanks for having me, Dylan. I appreciate it. Yeah, I'm super excited to have you here on the show. Before we get into the nitty gritty, uh, can you just give us a a quick introduction, like introduce yourself, because you're involved in a few different projects and you have a lot of expertise. So can you just tell the listeners who exactly you are? Yeah, absolutely. So, um, you know, I got my start in the in the corporate side with with marketing, um, uh, and uh, around 2005, split off and, and started Level Six Marketing. We're a full service uh, marketing firm here in the Tampa Bay area, and um, you know, whenever somebody runs a marketing firm, they're going to undoubtedly, um, you know, be a part of conversations of startups and things like that. And, um, you know, I often say no, um, the vast majority of the time, but, um, every once in a while an idea comes along that's good and, um, uh, chassis came along. Um, and it was an idea with my partners and I that, um, we sort of hatched together. And, um, so it's a completely separate, uh, company. We do, uh, run it out of the same office. We have a separate team. Um, there's, there's a lot of crossover, um, as far as, uh, you know, myself and, and a few others, but, um, uh, you know, it's, it's been, it's been a great experience. I mean, chassis has, has done incredibly well. Um, and, uh, we're really proud of, uh, where it's, where it's gotten to and, 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 and as well as the future. That's awesome. For the people who don't know, uh, what exactly is Chassis? What kind of products do you guys sell? Well, Chassis, our, our tagline sort of says it all. Our tagline is man care for down there. And, um, 
you know, really we were born out of an idea um, that guys for generations have used gold bond powder and baby powder and um, all sorts of different products uh, for down there um, to keep themselves fresh and dry and uh, friction free. Um, but really nobody was was direct about it. Nobody talked about it. Um, it was kind of one of those things where it was like a, a workaround sort of a thing. And, um, you know, as such, too, the, the, the formulas really hadn't changed for, you know, well over 100 years, if you look at the core formulas for, for medicated powders and, um, and baby powders. And so we thought, you know, number one, can we, can we make a better powder? Um, and then can we make an entire product line from that, you know, core powder element? And then can we create a brand um, that really talks direct with guys, you know, in a, in a very mature way, um, without embarrassing them, you know, have a little bit of fun with it, but, but not make it too sophomoric. And, and that's what we were able to do. So, you know, we really sort of created a new category. Um, you know, we, uh, quickly ascended to, um, a top position in, in, uh, e-commerce for, for, for this particular category. And in the uh, last couple of years, um, there's uh, there's been born a lot of new uh, competitors um, that are really trying to follow our lead and, and in some cases almost follow our branding, which is um, a challenge in its own right. But, uh, you know, we're, we, we basically had the space to ourselves and now, you know, we have a few more. But, um, uh, you know, obviously it's it's all of it's just bringing more people to the to the space. And I think that's good for everybody. Yeah, that's awesome. That's a great tagline. Um, and something you've done a great job at is branding. So it's it's no wonder that you're getting copied. I mentioned this before we started recording, but like you have your your newer company, but your brand looks like it's been around for years. Like it looks familiar. Like it looks new, but like at the same time, it's like I I just trust it based on the way the bottle looks. And the other thing right. is, it, is it looks premium too. Like it looks like this isn't yes. just like a cheapo like bottle of yeah. you know powder or whatever. Well, I appreciate that. Yeah, a lot. Of, I, I personally put a lot of time into the brand. I mean, that's kind of what, uh, you know, where, where, where I contribute the most to the team is, is the overall branding uh, conversation. And I think that, you know, for example, with the premium look, right? So one of the things that's interesting about premium products, and this is a little bit counterintuitive, um, but especially in the uh, health and beauty personal care uh, areas, what you're going to find is that uh, less is more. And so um, counterintuitively, the less colors you have, the less gradients, the less shadow effects, the less metallics, um, the, the higher end that you actually are perceived in the marketplace. And uh, I, I wish I could tell you why that was. Uh, but all it takes is, you know, going to your local uh, store and looking at the different products and the different price points. And you realize that the mass market products in this space are the more colorful ones, uh, the more uh, juvenile fonts, things like that, um, you know, less white space. And so, you know, you really have to be uh, restrained in your design when you're designing a premium product. And that was something that we learned along the way um, as we developed uh, the chassis brand. And I think that you know, we're on that low end of premium. If you look at where we're priced, you know, right around $20 a, a, a skew um, actually puts us sort of at the low end of the premium. Um, and certainly, I'm sure you're aware, um, you know, it goes way up from there. I mean, there are, are products in, in health and beauty that can sell for $40, $50 a piece. Um, and I think also, too, you're starting to see a, a pretty uh, quick change in, in, in the price of, of products because of e-commerce, because of the, f the fulfillment cost. 
um, associated with anybody who sells online. I mean, you just really aren't going to be able to buy products, you know, for five and six dollars anymore because, you know, once fulfillment is calculated, obviously no one could could possibly make any money with five dollar products online. So that sort of raised the uh, uh, the price point as well uh, for everybody. Right. Like one thing that's interesting is like, I mean, your product, it's it is premium, but at the same time, it's still kind of expensive if you look at it. Like it's like, I mean, if you compare it to something like, let's say a bottle of shampoo, it's like, you know, potentially four times the price. Um, right. so, so I'm curious, like with your branding and marketing, like how do you communicate, you know, how, how well, do you sell that? Yeah, that's a great point. So I, 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 you know, and so there's different ways when you, when you look at pricing strategy, um, and you know, owning an agency, um, as my other business, um, you know, you have a choice when you own a marketing agency, you can either do market-based pricing or cost-based pricing. At least that's, that's how I refer to it. I'm sure there's, you know, if there's accountants out there that are probably cringing at my use of uh, language here, but, um, market-based pricing to me is basically, you know, what is it worth to somebody, right? What is this product worth to somebody? Um, you know, what, what are they willing to pay for this? And, you know, before 2008, before the financial crisis, um, you know, I, I'll admit that I probably did more market-based pricing uh, at level six than I do today. And then, you know, digging out of 2008, um, every large company that we worked with, you know, basically forced us to go to a cost base where you really had to rationalize everything that you did. And I will say that with Chassis, I have no doubt that our cost of goods is significantly higher than any of our competitors. Um, in fact, when we worked with our chemists to develop the products and the formulas, uh, the first thing he said is, I can make you the world's best powder, but it's going to be very expensive to manufacture. Are you okay with that? And so that was our very first decision was, okay, you know, if we're going to, if we're going to, uh, build the best, it's going to be expensive. Um, but therefore we're going to have to charge a higher price accordingly. Um, so one thing I'm confident of is that, you know, with our product line, um, yes, uh, we're on the premium side, but at the same time, from a value standpoint, um, you know, no one can compare um, to to the efficacy that that we present compared to to the other products that are out there. Right. Something I'm curious about is like, there's like the the old argument, like you know, five dollar t shirt versus fifty dollar t shirt. You know, they're both a t shirt, and the fifty dollar t shirt doesn't necessarily like it costs more to make. But I feel like there's diff, like a lot of people struggle with communicating, like even though they have a more premium product that's better, it's like sometimes it can be hard yeah. to communicate that when it seems like, you know, all everyone wants to do is buy on price. Uh, I'm curious, right. like, what do you do to communicate like, hey, we use, this is like the best product on the market. Well, that's why it costs yeah. this. It, it, first of all, it's a couple of things. I mean, number one, you have to put the quality ingredients in there and you have to put them at meaningful levels. And those meaningful levels are expensive. I mean, one of our ingredients, for example, can only be imported from Italy. It's a highly specialized ingredient. And, you know, I mean, when you start to look at that stuff, I mean, that's expensive when you're importing ingredients from Italy. Um, and I think when you look at um, what we've done too is, I mean, we've made sure that if we've got something in there, there's there's meaningful levels of that. So, you know, one of the things that does happen in this space, unfortunately, is, you, you, you know, you see it a lot where, um, you know, it's called claimed ingredients. It, and it's a known practice where you put put high-end ingredients in there. But if you look at it, it's always at the end of the ingredient list. And and, and frankly speaking, um, they're at such negligible levels that they don't really have any impact at all. And so, um, you know, that that's something that, you know, if, if there's an ingredient that's going to make a difference and it's going to improve the 
the experience for the user, it better be in there at meaningful levels. So, I mean, I, I we've talked about this as a team. I mean, we could make chassis all of our products for less than half the price um, from a cost standpoint if we wanted to. But it would it would mean an inferior experience for our for our customers. So, you know, again, that was a decision that we made. We, there was no premium product when when we came about. Um, in fact, I would still argue that there really aren't any. There are some that kind of, again, have followed our lead. But if you really break down what they're doing, they're they're kind of, um, you know, just sort of promoting um, and, and reimagining uh, packaging more than anything. Right. I see. I see. Yeah. So I, I like. It, do you think packaging is a big part, and like the branding of it is a big part to charging a premium price? Yeah, I mean, that, of course, right? I mean, right. like that. there is no doubt that, I mean, same thing. Our package, we could probably make that for half the price as well if we wanted to, probably less than half the price, frankly. Um, and, you know, so that, that, that but, but again, if you have a premium product, you've got to have um, that premium user experience. So that is one of those things where, you know, is there value in that? Well, yeah, the values in, again, the user experience. I mean, is, is our fancy packaging, um, you know, making the product work any better? Well, no, it's not. Um, I mean, I guess we've got a, a, a an innovative way to, to disperse the product, which, you know, um, a lot of uh, others don't have. So that that's a there's a small value there. But at the end of the day, if you're going to spend twenty dollars, you, you know, you want the um, experience to match. And I think that um, it is a balancing act because at a certain point you could keep going and going and going, um, you know, and I don't think that you have to get to the level that like the cologne you know, manufacturers and the perfume manufacturers do. I mean, those, those guys are, you know, I mean, uh, I think, I don't know for a fact, it's not my space, but I have to imagine the vast majority of the cost is, is the, uh, the bottles themselves. Right. Yeah. I imagine that too. Speaking, you, you touched on this earlier, but like speaking of copycats, like how do you deal with them? You know, look, I mean, I think it's, again, you have to just, uh, you know, stick to your guns, talk about what you, what you do best. I mean, you know, there is that always that first mover advantage, that, you know, we still have, um, and, you know, we're still, um, able to benefit from. And so, you know, when you look at where the overall sales are, I mean, we still, everyone's still gunning for us. I'll, I'll put it that way. Um, that said, uh, you know, it, it, it is tough because, you know, instead of dividing up the total market, you know, between us and maybe one or two, now there's, there's, you know, probably a dozen players out there, you know, again, um, you know, there's one who, who almost completely mimicked our package exactly, um, you know, and, and uh, having been in marketing long enough, I know how difficult it is to uh, win any kind of trademark uh, lawsuits and things like that. So you just have to kind of go with it, you know, um, and unfortunately, um, you know, you look at the look at the automotive industry. I mean, you can look at um you know, certain Asian automakers who are designing cars that look like luxury German cars. I mean, if you took the badge off, you wouldn't know the difference. Um, and you know, so that's, that's, that's just a part of business. And I think that, you know, it's up to us to continue to stick to our guns, continue to innovate, um, come up with, uh, new ways of doing things, um, you know, uh, brand extensions potentially, um, you know, enhancements to the products, um, continue to communicate the value to our customers. And I think, you know, um, at, at the end of the day, um, our, our repeat, uh, purchase, and I don't know the percentage off the top of my head, I'm not the numbers guy, but I'm told by my team 
that uh, our repeat purchase numbers um, are are through the roof, um, and they any any brand in America would be, uh, you know. Uh, appreciative to see the kind of numbers that we're getting from a, from repeat purchase. So I think that, um, you know, clearly again, just, you know, stick to the brand promise and, and, and keep going with it. I love it. Um, and that's great that you're getting a lot of repeat. I imagine it's one of those things that once you start using, you really don't want to stop once you deliver yeah. that promise. That's yeah, awesome. I would, I would say that's, I'd say that's right. Yep. <laughs> Spe- speaking of that, um, so, so you're keeping people on the back end. How are you marketing your products on the front end? You know, so we do we do a lot of influencer uh, marketing, um, and that's obviously a high risk, high reward kind of a thing. Um, anyone who's done influencer marketing would know that, um, you know, it's it's you just don't know um, who's going to work and who's not. So, you know, there's been um, things that we've done, spending thousands of dollars that have completely flopped. I mean, we're talking zero ROI. And then there's been others that we've done that have uh, presented incredible ROI. Um, so, you know, we're going to continue to do that. We kind of know the cast of characters that work well and, you know, we'll continue to work with them. Obviously, um, you know, do a, a fair amount of SEO and SEM. Um, you know, that's a, a big part of it. Um, we uh, do have a fairly big presence on Amazon as well. Um, and we have a great uh, team um, on on that side. I mean, uh, focusing on Amazon ads um, and ways to improve our positioning within the Amazon ecosystem. So that's a big part of it. Um, and then, you know, again, I think it's just about, uh, you know, the word of mouth. I mean, I think one thing that we greatly underestimate is the word of mouth. Um, you know, we really connect with our customers and um, we're, we're, we're you know, it used to amaze me. It doesn't any longer when I when we asked the question, "How did you find out about us?" How many people are, are hearing about it from their from their friends? And and that's uh, you know really the ultimate compliment. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, I want to dive into the influencer marketing bit a little bit. Um, mm-hmm. What platforms are you guys using? So we found the best uh, use, and I apologize. There is a uh, truck honking the horn. Hopefully, it didn't get picked up there. <laughs> anyway, so no, we focus primarily uh, on YouTube. Actually, um, we've done a little bit of everything, and and uh, found that YouTube for us works very well. Um, there's a, there's a bit of an education involved in what we do at Chassis. And so there's a lot of guys who just aren't familiar with the need or solution of the kind of products that we offer. And YouTube is a little bit of a longer format. So it allows not only for the brand introduction, but for a little bit more of that educational component. And that's been highly effective for us. And so um, obviously you can include links directly uh, in, you know, the uh, the video notes itself. And, uh, you know, I think that um, the other nice thing about YouTube that I happen to really like is that those those videos are, you know, they're there forever. So even though, of course, the bulk of the traffic will come in the first couple of days, um, you know, we still see videos from, you know, three years ago that um, are, are generating business for us. So um, there is a sort of a long term approach to, to building that uh, type of uh, library out there. Yeah, for sure. Is there like a certain size influencer on the platform that you go for? You know, that's a great question. So I would say no. Um, I mean, obviously, there are some that are so small that we just, you know, it doesn't make sense um, because, you know, their followers are so small. But I mean, you know, typically, we're going to be looking for, um, you know, people that are generating at least ten to 20,000 views at a bare minimum on a regular basis. Um, you know, usually we'd like to see that uh, count, um, you know, north of 100,000 uh, views on average. 
Um, but I will say this, I mean, you know, for us, one of the things we've realized about our brand, um, just a little insight is that for our brand, um, you know, guys seem to want to hear from what we call the big brother, um, and not big brother as far as like the government watching, but like literally their big brother or their older cousin. Um, we've worked with a couple of younger influencers or influencers that appear to be very young and they just don't seem to work as well for us as the guys who might, you know, have that big brother, older cousin type role to the uh, to the viewer. Um, those seem to convert quite a bit, uh, quite a bit uh, <laughs> uh, better for us. Interesting. And I I don't I don't really know much about this space, but like, how much does it cost to sponsor a hundred thousand view video, for example? I mean, it really ranges. If they're if they're okay. experienced, you know, they're gonna they can get. Uh, you know, a thousand, two thousand dollars, something like that. Um, you know, obviously there are some. We work with some rather large influencers that you know average, you know, four or five hundred thousand uh, views, or or sometimes more. I mean, we've got videos out there. I think with you know two and three million views already on certain videos that we've got out there. So um, you know, those are going to obviously cost a, a fair amount more. You know, I mean, in our space, there's there's not a ton of men. Um, that are doing it successfully. So, you know, there's there's a lot less to choose from. Um, if we were in a space, uh, you know, say doing women's uh, makeup or something like that, um, there'd be far more talent out there for us to uh, to work with. Um, so that is one limiting factor um, that we just have to, to, to face. Um, we have worked with a few women, you know, around the holidays, kind of like gift giving type things that, that has a little bit of success. Um, but uh, overall, um, you know, men talking to other men, you know, uh, as friends, um, and, and sort of an advisory role that's, that's worked really well for us. Awesome. Yeah. I always love like seeing behind the scenes of like how that all works. Really cool. And, um, is there like a certain ROI that you shoot for when you're investing in somebody? Is there like a percentage of views that you know are going to click or convert? Or I'm just like, I'm just trying to get, just trying to understand like how you think through like, yes, we should sponsor this or how exactly that works. Well, you, you can't be too analytical, right? I mean, I think so for one thing, you know, Amazon, um, their attribution is, is, is not good, although, um, they are starting to release some beta tools that allow for better attribution. Um, so that'll probably change things quite a bit for us. Um, but even Google attribution is, is far from perfect. Um, Shopify attribution far from perfect. So when you start to look at all that kind of stuff, I mean, you can drive yourself crazy, um, trying to get to the, to the, the bottom line numbers of how many people do we know for a fact have converted, but really, um, you, you can get a feel for it because you can start to look at the trends and say, Hey, you know, we had a a little bit of a lift the day we did this video, or we've noticed, you know, we did a video last week and things are up and, um, you can start to see things on reviews and start to figure out where people are coming from. So, you know, it's, it's far from an exact science. Um, I think that that's, that's the danger, right? When you make, influencer marketing and exact science, I would probably get venture to guess that that, that a, a large percentage of the time you would determine on, on face value that things are not working. Um, but I think, again, when you consider the fact that not only do you get the potential initial lift, but these videos and, and these posts, specifically the videos, they're there for, for a long time. And um, people can be picking these things up three, four years from now. And so you can't just look at that first couple of weeks. You got to realize that these are, uh, you know, tools that are going to continue to work for us for, for years to come. 
Nice. Yeah. I like that. I like that. You overthink it and then you end up like doing nothing. Um, that's, that's right. Yeah. yeah. And, and I, and I that, that's exactly why a lot of brands fail, honestly. And, um, you know, I see it on the agency side is if you, if you're too analytical in marketing, I understand that the analytical side of marketing is, is really becoming, um, the, the way that things are done nowadays. And, and there's certainly a place for that. I don't want to poo poo that, but at the same time, if you're too analytical, um, you'll drive yourself crazy and, and you just, you, you're going to just rule things out that probably are having an impact. And then you sit there and do nothing because you can't quantify it correctly and wonder why your brand is, is failing. Yeah. I love that. I, I actually wrote that down for myself. So we, we've talked about a lot so far. I'm going to, as we start to wrap up here, we're running out of time. Uh, I have one random question. Uh, <laughs> okay. How do you handle returns for a product like this? Like, let's say somebody buys the product and then they like <laughs> use a little bit and then they're like, oh, I hate, like, cause yeah. I know there's going to be that angry customer sends the yeah. email, like, oh, I want a refund. This isn't doing what it said. Or like, you know, yeah. I have a rash. Like, how, how do you deal with that? Is it like, oh, you used well, it or like, what well, do you Dylan, remember? Remember I said I was going to send you a, a, a free sample. It was actually going to be one of the return ones from these guys. That's actually what my plan was all along. <laughs> oh, is it actually? <laughs> no, no, no. Okay. Just kidding. Yeah, no, we, we, I was going to send you a fresh one. Don't worry. But, uh, no, uh, so Amazon, um, you know, obviously is a big part of our business. Um, and, and then also we have a fulfillment center that we work with. Um, whenever things get returned, um, they're, they're returned to us. Um, they don't go back into the system. And so, um, you know, if they're damaged, uh, we just, you know, pitch them. If they're not, um, we have, uh, we have a little, uh, little corner of our office we affectionately call nut dust depot <laughs> where uh where we uh just put these these bottles and you know on occasion i'll i'll grab one i mean i've used to kind of gross me out a little bit more but uh you know it, it's just one of those things that we might just use internally for testing but the truth of the matter is we don't get that many returns i mean when you look at the you know thousands upon thousands of bottles that we sell and you look at the amount of returns, it's remarkably low. Um, and the consultants that we work with on the Amazon side, um, they've told us that um, not only is our conversion uh, astoundingly high, but our return rate is astoundingly low. So um, I guess we're doing something right. Yeah, for sure. I'd say that all comes back to what we were talking about in the beginning. Like you just sell a great product and then the rest falls into place. Yep, I, I'd like to think so. That's awesome. Well, hey, thanks so much for dropping all of that knowledge on this show. A lot to unpack there. As we wrap up here, where can we go to learn more about you and your company or I guess companies? Yeah, well, I mean, I think, you know, the, the first of all, chassis for men um, and it's, you know, chassis like on a car, um, C-H-A-S-S-I-S for men, F-O-R-M-E-N. Um, that's our, our Shopify store. Uh, you can also find us on Amazon. Um, Level six marketing is my agency. If anybody has some specific branding questions, but, um, you know, I, it's, it's been a pleasure uh, being here and uh, be happy to, to talk about any other uh, topics you want to get into at another time. And, uh, you know, um, you know, hopefully uh, your uh, listeners uh, got something out of this. Yeah. Thanks so much for coming on. I really appreciate it. Awesome. Thanks so much, Dylan. Now, listener, before I sign off, stop me if this sounds familiar. Your email marketing is stuck. You feel like you could be doing email better. You're not generating enough email revenue and you feel like you're leaving money on the table. But you don't have the time to figure email out yourself or, or do it on your own because you have a business to run. Imagine this. 
Imagine not having to worry about leaving money on the table with your email marketing. Imagine not having to figure out what to send, when to send it, how many emails should look, what automation you need, what segments you need, how often you should be contacting your email list, or just worrying about sending the next email. You don't have to worry about any of that. Imagine having peace of mind knowing that your email marketing is generating sales in good hands. At Wavebreak, we help Shopify stores maximize their email marketing revenue. That's it. We don't do anything else. And we've created a system called the Wavebreak method that, number one, makes you less dependent on Facebook or other marketing channels. So let's say something bad happens. Facebook says, see you later, Shopify store, and they just completely kill your ad traffic overnight. You, you don't have to worry. You don't have to stress because you're good to go because you have a cushion of email revenue. You don't have to worry about how or, or what, what your wife is going to do or if you're going to be able to make rent or if you're going to be able to pay people because you have this cushion of email revenue to rely on. Number two, the second thing this does is huge. And it's how stores scale from seven figures to eight figures uh, to nine figures. And the secret is repeat purchases. The Wavebreak method gets rid of one-time buyers and increases repeat orders. Number three, it keeps your email list engaged. You don't have to worry about Black Friday and beyond. We'll figure out the ideal amount of times that your list needs to be contacted to maximize revenue, and then we'll execute it for you. If you want to learn more about this system and how we can work together to apply it to your business, go to wavebreak.co to schedule a call with me. And I'll personally send you my calendar link and we can chat one-on-one. Now, I don't have unlimited time to do these calls. I can only do a couple of them per week. So if you want to get your call, uh, go sign up at wavebreak.co for it as soon as possible and we can talk about how we can work together. Thanks for listening to this episode. Subscribe to the show on iTunes to get notified of new episodes as soon as they drop. 